Hi, and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 71, where in a moment, we cover the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered. That's today's show topic, and it's on the way. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff. Pensions, mortgages, life insurance, investing, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at sorting out your mortgage during divorce. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, maybe you could tell us what we need to do to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show. It's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, uh, the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered. Only we're going to deviate slightly uh, and start at number three because it's probably the most sensible point to start a show from. And as I say, uh, there's no such thing as a stupid question. If you don't know the answer to something, how else will you find out the answer except by asking? It's kind of what our podcast is. I ask a question, you're either too frightened to or don't cross your mind at the time you're sitting across the desk from a money person. So here we go with what is a mortgage? Probably the simplest way to describe a mortgage is it's a loan that helps you buy a house. That, that's probably the that in its, its simplest terms. The lender, which in, in most cases tends to either be a, a bank or building society, they lend you the money and then over the years you pay interest on this debt and then repay the, the capital, so repaying the, the amount borrowed. The, the bank then has what's called a, a charge over the property. So if for any reason the, the mortgage payments are missed, um, they get their money back first if the, the property ever gets repossessed. But yeah, I would describe a mortgage just really a, a loan that helps you buy a property. Okay. Uh, next, how much can I borrow? Now, this is the most asked question that people Googled regarding mortgages. I mean, <laughs> obviously, it is. it's like, how much will I earn in a job? How much can I borrow? Which is why all lenders feature it prominently on the, the website landing pages. So how much can I borrow, Phil? That's a, the big question, is it? But years ago, the, the way it used to work is lenders would allow you to borrow an amount based on a multiple of your annual salary. Now, if it was a joint mortgage, they, they would maybe allow you to borrow up to about 2.75 times your, your combined income. If it was a mortgage just in a, someone's sole name, they would allow you to maybe borrow four or five times your, your annual salary there. So it was nice and easy to, to work out. Folk could just say, right, I'm on a wage of 30,000, multiply that by four, perfect, I can borrow 120,000. So it was nice, nice and easy. Or again, if you had a, a joint income, you multiply it by that figure, is it this one, is it that? And you, you could work it out from, from there. But th these days, things are, are quite different. A few years back, the, there was new rules came in and lenders have got to assess things more on a case-by-case case basis, but they, they're looking at things individually for, for people. I know sometimes if, if someone's asking me how much roughly can I borrow, I still will have these multiples in my head and I'll still use them just to, to give them a, a rough idea. But lenders look at the, the affordability in a lot more detail. So we'll, what they'll do is they'll look at all your ins, they'll look at all your outs. Some lenders still take 
things into account so that that that's that's why I always recommend speaking to independent or whole of market mortgage broker if you're thinking about buying because some lenders might take one thing in account whereas others don't take it in account so it does differ from from lender to lender as well an example of that if you've got a maybe a part-time job and some of your income is made up I say tax credits or, or child maintenance some lenders won't use that additional income and then there, there are some that will and again that's where an independent mortgage advisor they can let you know what lenders will, will allow you to borrow what amount but Generally, lenders will tend to have a mortgage affordability calculator on their website. And as you say, that's usually quite a prominent position in, in most websites. So you can go on there, input your details, and that'll give you a rough idea as to, to what you would borrow. If you've got high outgoings, such as a lot of loans and credit cards, then that can impact what you've got. So these days, you can actually have two people taking in the same salary but the amount of mortgage they can get can be quite different because one of them maybe has no loans, no debt, so they, they would be able to afford more. The other one may have a lot of outgoings, a lot of credit cards. They might spend a lot on food. If they've got more children, that would impact on their, their outgoings as well. So lenders do tend to look at it more on a case-by-case -case basis. A couple of things here, Phil, that crossed my mind as you were speaking there. Yeah. Uh, the first is please don't use the term ins and outs anymore because regardless of how much I try in my brain, I start doing the hokey cokey ins and <laughs> outs. Uh, but also um, my, my niece, who's now what, she's uh, 28, was round uh, for lunch at the weekend and she is just freshly qualified as a, a teacher for secondary school teaching maths. And she and her husband are finding it incredibly difficult to get a first mortgage even though she's earning a really good wage. And we, we started, and we've done this before. I started sort of reminiscing about when I was her age and when I was trying to get a mortgage. And in actual fact, in reality, back then, we, we didn't have to try. In fact, it was the other way around. The lenders were sort of trying to catch you and, and, and sort of, you know, reel us in because there was all sorts of offers in the go back in, back in those days where they would say, right, come and, uh, you know, take your mortgage out with us. We'll give you five grand cash back. It'll be enough to buy furniture for your living room or, you know, we'll get your carpets or things like that. And it's just changed so much now, isn't it? I remember as well, at one point in time, you had that 125% mortgages. Yeah. And one, lend, one lender even did 130%. It was just nuts. So was, some... Was some savvy folk, I mean, I, I know one guy back then, what he did was he, he borrowed 125%, bought his own house for the 100%, and with the extra 25%, used that as a deposit and a bike let mortgage and got a second property. <laughs> and, and back at that time, house prices were rocketing. So yeah. in a short period of time, he, he did really well. But one of the things that just, neither that it doesn't add up, but I mean, the, the average salary is roughly, a, the, the average wage, I think, in the UK, somewhere in the region, about 30,000. Yeah. Average house price now, I think, is well over 200,000. And if you look at, right, just, just say, go, going back in the old multiples, let, let's say you could borrow five times 30,000. That's like 150 grand. It's well shorter. And it's just, I mean, so the average house yeah. price and the average salary, it just doesn't really yeah. add up, does it? And it's assuming as well that you've got nothing in your name. So you've got no, you know, no credit uh, or, you know, no money owing because they take that off the top, don't they? Yeah. So, it, and, and that I think in this day and age is probably something that just about everybody has as well. Next, not that we're, we're trying to be, you know, harbingers of doom or anything. How do I get a mortgage? I suppose this is almost as much as, as um, you know, where about do I go to get a mortgage? 
And as I say, that most mortgages are done by banks and building societies. You've got a few specialist lenders out there as well. But I would say if you're looking for, for a mortgage, how, how do I get a mortgage? There's, there's a few different routes that you can go down. You, you can try and do it yourself. I know in the past, a lot of people would just automatically go to their own bank and say, right, I'll, I'll try them to, to get a mortgage. The, the bank would know them quite well. So if the, anybody was going to give them, the thought was that their own bank would do it. But over time, people have realised that going to their own bank's not necessarily going to give them the best deal that's out there. So one thing that a lot of people will try and do is that they will try and use things like comparison websites. These can be a good starting place for, for people, it gives you an idea of what kind of rates are out there, how much the, the payments will be roughly. One of the things with them is that they can be quite confusing to many people. And, and not only that, because they list, they, they'll generally tend to list rates eh, or deals in order of the lowest rate first. Now, the lowest rate isn't always going to be the best one for you. Quite often, you'll find that the lower the interest rate, the higher the fees will tend to be. So if you're only borrowing a small mortgage, say 40, 50,000, you, you don't really want to be paying a fee, maybe two grand for, for getting a lower rate. You might be better going on a higher interest rate and one with no fees. So that, that's why I always recommend the, the kind of other option you've got for, for how do I get a mortgage is go to a whole of mortgage market broker. Uh, sorry, go to a whole of market mortgage broker. <laughs> they, they, they can search the... They can search the whole market to, to get you the best deal. They can look at your circumstances and say, right, based on that, the best lender for you is this one or that one. And this is what the, the rates will be. And they, they can take care of all of that. So how do I get a mortgage? I, I would say your best thing to do is to, to go and speak to an independent mortgage broker. That sounds like what I want, Phil. That's that's exactly <laughs> it. You know, just the, the, not, not the easiest way, but the, the most sensible way as well in terms of, when you're talking about this, this is likely, in fact, I can't think of anything else. This is the biggest purchase you're ever going to make in your lifetime. And the last thing you want to do is get it wrong. Definitely. Here's a biggie. And I, I always feel this is a bit misleading because whenever you go to a lender website to ask about mortgages, this is the one thing they always guarantee, right? They say, we'll give you a decision in minutes. But it, it's, you know, it's only a guide, isn't it? It's a decision in principle. And it depends on answers that you give off the top of your head most of the time, and they're never especially accurate. So our fourth on the list of the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered, how long does a mortgage application take? Now, from memory, Phil, it's quite a bit, and it can vary as well depending on what it is you're actually doing. So maybe a, a remortgage or whatever. Uh, take, us, take us through all of that, please. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if you're buying a new home, then the, the steps are usually this. Um, one of the things, we, we did do a podcast. It was, I think, one of the very first ones we did. Yeah, I remember this. 10 steps to, to buying your, your new home. I think that was back in August 2020. And <laughs> the, the, 10, the, the 10 steps at that point were know your budget, find your mortgage, instruct a solicitor, make an offer, get checks done on the property. Step six was the mortgage offer. And it was like, protect yourself, so make sure you had your life insurance, all that sort of stuff in place. Complete the sale, finalise the legals, and then enjoy your home. So that, that was the 10 steps, just one by one. But when, when buying, the timescales really depend on what lender you're using. And again, a good mortgage broker will, will know this as well. So when, when I took my mortgage out, Halifax is, is who my mortgage is with. Traditionally, they're one of the quickest 
when I got my mortgage last year, I had a mortgage offer in one day. So it was just mega quick. I, I didn't expect it in that time. Neil, who sorted it out for me, he actually said, he goes, look, because you're, you, you've got a business and your income's made up by dividends and, and things. And he, he said, he goes, oh, this, they, they may ask an awful lot more questions. Yeah. But with me, my credit's good. I had a good deposit to put down. And it basically just sailed through and didn't touch the side. So, so I, I personally had a mortgage offer in one day. Now that is really quite rare. I mean, at, at the moment, the, the guys in the office, I mean, the Nationwide Building Society, they, they publish their timescales on their website. And from application to offer, for a standard case, they're saying it's 17 days at the moment. And for a referred case, 23. So a referred case is maybe one where something a wee bit unusual. So it, it can take, depending on the lender, it can really that's where the difference comes in as to, to how long it takes to, to get things sorted out. But so some lenders, you can usually get a mortgage agreed within minutes, just in principle. And that's where they'll they'll do like the, the credit, the initial checks. If they come back, yeah, great, fine. I mean, I'm singing Halifax's praises on, on my own case, but one thing they're not so good at is when they do an agreement in principle, they only basically search your, they do a soft credit check and it only searches your credit history, I think, for about the last three years. But when the, it goes to full application, that check thing goes over six-year period. So it's possible that if you had something maybe four or five years ago, initially they may turn around and say, yep, yeah, fine, we'll, we'll lend in that circumstances. But they may then look, do the further checks and say, oh, hang on, we weren't aware of this. So the, the, again, that's where a good mortgage broker is invaluable because they they know all of the the lenders' timescales and and things and if you're remortgaging you can usually get an, an agreement in principle a bit quicker in that case and in many cases as I say it, it can be just minutes so it will vary from from lender to lender also as I say it varies whether you're you're buying or if it's a remortgage and um, the other thing that that I've seen a lot of people doing these days is when their deal is up they'll consider a remortgage with another lender, but a lot of lenders will do what's called a rate switch or product transfer. Now, if you're doing one of them, in most cases, you won't need to get the mortgage agreed in principle again. Um, the lender, as long as you have no early repayment charges and you've kept up to date with your, your payments, in that case, lenders often won't need to, to agree it. They'll just partly say, right, here's a new deal and a, a new product for you in that situation. Yeah. It's a bit like sweeping through your driving license every 10 years, you know, you change the photo and on you go. <laughs> the, the, a couple of things that crossed my mind, though, when you were talking about that. One, uh, and it was you said the Nationwide, pricked up my ears because that's who my mortgage yeah. is with, but the Nationwide uh, say they come back within 23, day, uh, 23 days, or 17 days, 23 days of its referred. Yeah. One, are those business working days? So, you know, it's, it's actually more like a month to month and a half once you put in all the Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. And two, when something is referred, what is it that causes the referral? Is it something to do with the property? Is it something to do with the person who's looking for the mortgage? In other words, something's come back on their credit search, for instance. Yeah. What, what causes those things? Yeah, it can. Well, the, the, on their website, that application to offer is average working days. So yeah. by the time you include like a Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be, be even longer. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it used to be when they, they used to often say, look, I mean, solicitors will advise you, right? Look at 
it'll take four to six weeks to get a mortgage sorted out. And, and that ties in well because with all the legal work that they're doing, yeah. it takes them about that sort of time to, to do all of that as well. But you, you don't want to conclude missives or in England and Wales, it's called them um, exchanging contracts. You don't want to do that until you know that, yeah, my mortgage is in place and that's going to be a, a definite. I mean, most, most lenders you can get, I mean, I think nationwide say that I think it's four days to, if a case gets referred, it's four days for an initial assessment is, is what they say on, on their website. Now, a case might get referred, let's say you had maybe an unusual income makeup. It might be that you've maybe had a couple of missed payments in the past and the computer rather than automatically kicking it out, it's maybe turned around and said, right, we want somebody to take, like a human to actually take a look at this because... A lot of lending decisions is you put in the, the the details, computer will say yes or no, and, and that's it. But if, if a case is referred, it can be for a number of reasons. It could be credit, income. It could be that the lenders maybe picked something up that just doesn't seem right. It, it can be for, for numerous reasons there. And in, in terms of that, how do I phrase this? Is it easier, for instance, if you are employed as opposed to self-employed, because I'm thinking back to, to when I last applied for, I think, a remortgage. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a self-employed person. And they wanted, you know, um, the last three years of accounts plus uh, what was on line for, for this year yeah. uh, and things like that. Is it, is it, is there, is it easier if you're employed or, as opposed to self-employed? Are there, are there, you know, more things that are likely to cause a referral if you're self-employed than otherwise? Yeah, generally, generally it's easier if you're employed because you, you've got your salary coming in or your wages but even for employees I mean you, you can have people that's got their, their wages can fluctuate depending on how much hours they work some people will be a salary and if that's the case it's nice and simple you've got x amount coming in but then you've got salaried people who've got bonuses so mm-hmm. bonuses overtime all, all that could be reasons why a, a mortgage case would get referred to a, a lender and that, that's why it's good to be organized for a mortgage and I think one of the shows we did was, I think, getting ready for taking out a mortgage. And in that one, we, we spoke about things like making sure that your, your credit rating was as good as it can be. It, it's good to keep your last three months bank statements and wage slips. If you're self-employed, some lenders will ask for two years accounts. Again, self-employed, it depends on how you're self-employed. Are, are you self-employed? Is it a limited company? Are you paid salary, dividends? That's all the sort of things that, that people will, will look at there. So mm. yeah, it's, it, it really does depend on, on each individual circumstances. Okay. And uh, finally, question five, what is a lifetime mortgage? On episode 28, we did a podcast <laughs> on mortgages for the, the over 55s. Yep. In fact, we, we've done loads of past podcasts that are really good for, for people looking for, for mortgages. There was one on help when you get, as I say, the, the better credit rating. We did one on green mortgages, which was, they, I think this year they're going to become an awful lot more popular. Mm. Um, so at some point might look to do a almost a refresh show on, on that very subject. And we, we did one just recently on reviewing your mortgages as well. But anyway, I, I'm kind of digressing there. So <laughs> what is a, what's a lifetime mortgage? A, a lifetime mortgage is one that's designed to run until somebody dies or goes into long-term care. Hence, it's called a a lifetime mortgage. Now, these are becoming a lot more popular and they're available. They're they're based on someone's age and property value. Usually, you have to be 
in the age of 55 upwards, I'd probably say most tend to be 60, 65 upwards. But what the lender does is they just look at the value of the property, your age, and then they say, right, we'll be, allow you to borrow X amount. In some cases, you don't pay any interest on, or you, you do pay interest, but it's added, it's rolled up against the mortgage. So you don't physically make a payment each month. And then usually whenever you die or go into long-term care, the debt's repaid and the lender gets their, their money back at that point in time. So it's dependent on, on you know, how much equity is in your property, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if, if you still had a mortgage, I mean, lifetime mortgages can be used for a number of things. It, you, you might use it to pay off a mortgage. You might use it to buy a new car, go on holiday, repay other debts, help your kids out or grandkids. So many different things that you can use a lifetime mortgage for, but it's all based on your age and the value of the property. If you were maybe in poorer health, the lenders might allow you to borrow a wee bit more as well. But like lifetime mortgages and equity release, it's often known as as well, or retirement lending is what I, I often call it. That That's becoming an awful lot more popular as well these days. Okay. So those are the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered. Uh, how do those compare to the sort of question you're always asked about mortgages, Phil, in your own personal experience? Yeah, I, I always find what, what people want to know is the, the three main things is how much can I borrow, which is important to, to them. How much does it go to cost per month? And I would also say, how much deposit do I need? This is another big one. That wasn't really covered in, in there. At, at the moment, deposit-wise, you, you generally you can get mortgages for a, a 5 or 10% deposit. The, the bigger deposit you have, the better rates you, you'll get. Although I must say that the rates at 90 and 95% are an awful lot better now than what they were maybe a couple of years ago. At that point, the, the rates there were, were a bit higher. So some really good deals out there. Money generally is still quite cheap just now, so it's a good good time to, to look at, at getting a mortgage. And mortgage lenders, they, they're keen to lend. Different ones have got different criteria, as I say, but I, I would say that the three most popular questions I get asked about mortgages would be how much you can borrow, how much it'll cost per month, and what kind of deposit is needed. So it all really revolves around affordability then, doesn't it? How much, how much do I have to find at the beginning? How much will it cost me each month? What can I buy with that? All sensible, straightforward, what you'd expect stuff, really. Sum it all up for me again, Phil, if you can. What are my key takeaways from this one? Yeah, the key takeaways, I would say, I mean, like, yeah, Google's great. You, you can type questions in and you'll, you'll get various answers. But I always recommend speaking to an independent mortgage broker because, yeah, you can Google certain things, but... One, it's not always up to date, and, and yeah, it might give you a, a good idea, but mortgages can be quite complicated. There's so many different options available out there, and you want to know that you're getting the best deal for, for your circumstances, and that's where a good independent mortgage broker can come in. Okay. Uh, here we go as we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered? For me, I mean, I, I was saying there, use a, an independent mortgage broker. And last year when, when I bought my house and, and moved, I used Neil Gallagher. Neil's one of the mortgage advisors that works for Phil Anderson Financial Services. Brilliant. Honestly, he made my life so easy. He said to me, look, you can borrow up to this amount. It, it, it was excellent. Deposit-wise was fine for me, so I didn't have to, to worry about that. But Neil was fantastic. And 
it really just made things so simple. And like I say, I, I was very fortunate. I got a mortgage offer out within one day, which is really just quite incredible. Um, but the, he was brilliant. And I, I cannot stress enough how easy he made my life just by getting everything bang, done and dusted and no time at all. But it's back to what you were saying though, isn't it? Those those three questions that, that you get asked most or, you know, Neil yeah. probably gets asked most is, you know, how much is it going to cost me a month? How much am I going to have to pay up front? And what, how much can I afford then to, to spend yeah. on, on a house? And that's essentially, that's what you need to know. If, you, if you're going house hunting, you need to know where the cutoff point is because there's no point in looking at a castle for 1.5 million if all you can afford is 150,000. So you need yeah. to know what you can go out and actually spend on a house. And, and that just makes it so much easier. You, you whittle it down, especially if you're using, and I think most people do now, if you're using one of the apps on your phone and you say, right, okay, so what, you know, what can I spend up to? I can spend up to this. How many bedrooms do I want? I want this many bedrooms. Do I want a garden? Yes. Do I want on-street parking? Yeah. You know, and you whittle it all down. Yeah. That's one of the things that you need to know is how much, uh, the biggest thing you need to know, I guess, yeah. how much can I afford to spend when I'm buying a house? As well, I mean, like lenders will say, right, this is the figure that we'll lend you. But in, in some cases, that's not going to be what you can actually afford. That, that's why it's good to sit down with someone and go through all the ins and outs because the lender might say, yeah, we'll allow you to borrow X amount, but do you really want to borrow up to that? Yeah. Because it might just stretch you a, a wee bit. So it's important. And, and again, I, not only to look at what your mortgage costs are going to be, but if you're moving into a bigger property, your gas might be more, your electricity might be more, your council tax will be more. So there, there's an awful lot to take into account when you are looking at moving home. And I suppose the thing is as well, if you're looking at um, moving into a money pit, you know, a, a doer upper, let's say, then then the house might cost you X thousand, but you will probably know when you go in that you're going to have to spend, you know, another X thousand or X plus Y to uh, to actually make it habitable. I know. Do you know what? I, I looked at one house. I, I had an offer accepted on a house last year that was a good enough price. It was under quite a bit under the, the value of it. But it needed thousands of pounds of work. It needed about 20 grand of work done on the roof. It needed timber specialist works. It needed totally redecorated. And we, we had an offer accepted on that. And then there was a couple of issues with, with boundaries and things. And we ended up pulling out. And I, I was sitting in, in the house that I'm in that, that I ended up buying. It was great. Didn't need nothing done. We've done a wee bit of painting and stuff. And it was great. I had a hot tub as well. And I was just like, oh, great. And, and I was actually sitting in the hot tub the other night with Ruth and we were <laughs> discussing about it. And we, we said, it's like, I'm so glad that that other property fell through yeah. because we, we just had, it would have, that would have been another worry on top of everything else as well. So Sometimes things just work out for the best, do they? What's for you when I go by, as your granny <laughs> used to say. Uh, Phil, we always do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration through various folk that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered? Quote of the week this week is from myself. If you need a mortgage, speak to a whole of market mortgage broker. Fantastic. First time you've used yourself as well for a quote, and we're only 70 episodes in or so. Uh, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details for this in just a second. Here's our first question. Should I take the 25% tax-free lump sum from my pension? 
And if not, I'll have it. Should I, <laughs> should, should I take the 25% tax-free lump sum from my pension? I, you know, was pensions one of the first shows we did? We've done a few on, on pensions yeah. as well. The, the answer I would say for, for most people, usually the answer to that would be yes. It is important to seek out, like, in, again, independent financial advice, but for, and that gives you the answer based on your own circumstances. Generally, as a general kind of rule, you can take that money, even if you don't need it, you, you can take it and invest it and get maybe like a, a tax-free income from it. So for, for many people, the answer to that is going to be yes. But one of the things with, with any lump sum or tax-free lump sum that you get from your pension, you, you don't have to take the tax-free amount in your pension as a lump sum. You can take it as a, a regular amount as well. So for some people, that might suit them better. But th there's so many different options with pensions. And that's why I would say for, for that one, it's better just getting independent financial advice for, for your own circumstances. So the number that is the 25%, that calculation of 25%, whatever the 25% is, is made at the point at which it becomes accessible to the person who has the pension. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's another reason as well. I mean, if, if you were, let, let, you, you can access your pensions from age 55 at the moment. Now, if you wanted to do that, let, let's say for easiness, you've got £100,000 in your, your personal pension. Generally, you can take 25% of that as a tax-free lump sum. So you could take 25 grand out and do whatever you, you want with that. But if you don't need that money, then you're probably best just leaving your pension. You might still want to be adding to it. And then, I mean, if, let's say you get to, I, I don't know if your retirement age is 66 or 67, by that time, your pension pot will be an awful lot higher. So if your pension pot at that point had gone up to 200,000, your lump sums, the tax-free lump sums, then going to be 50 grand instead of 25. So th there are reasons why you maybe want to leave your pension pot for as long as possible as well. And again, it's all just down to your own individual circumstances and, and needs, really. Uh, yeah, and, and and also, you know, if you're 50 now, uh, it might be one thing, but by the time you're 55, it might have changed entirely again. Yeah. So, next one is from Michael Ingarlogi. Michael says, hi, Phil. What should I be looking to invest in 2022? The answer I always give to this is invest in yourself. <laughs> so it is, it, I would always say, like, invest in your body, be fit, invest in learning to enhance your, your knowledge, when it comes to investing money, I mean, I'm always I always think property over a long term is a, a good investment. The stock market over a longer term is, is another one. I'm always a great believer in diversifying. So when, when people ask me what's the best investment, I mean, these days people are in. I actually saw a really good comment on LinkedIn yesterday. Somebody was going on about investing in cryptocurrencies and somebody put a comment saying, oh, that's not investing, that's gambling. And I was like, yeah, it's maybe a, a good mm -hmm. point. But I am a great believer in diversifying. So rather than investing in just one area, always look at, try to spread your risk and invest in, in several different things. But yeah, the, the answer to that question, I always say invest in yourself. Here, here's just a, a follow-up to that, Phil. Um, you know, you, you talk about uh, stocks, shares and property in, in, long, in terms of long-term investment. Is short-term investment just something that you don't look at? Yeah, for me, I mean, like, a lot of people will speculate and they'll think, right, what's going to go up most this year? I'll put money into this or that because it, what, what you find is that I've got an excellent graph um, somewhere and it's good. It lists all the different asset classes and one year you might have one thing at the top, but the following year it might be quite low down. And and the, the great thing on that graph, there, there's a usually like a, 
mixed portfolio of assets. And, and that one is normally, it's never the top, it's never the bottom. It's always kind of going steady. It's always around about the, the mid sort of range. And that, that's a really good graph. I haven't seen one of them for, for a wee while, but you will, short-term investing is more speculating. But for, to actually invest, you are looking at longer term rather than just trying to make short-term gains. Buck, sadly, yeah. everybody these days, they want to get rich quick, do they? That's that's a thing. So it's like, right. And, and if it is something that's going to go up and down, it tends to be a lot more volatile. Yeah. So yeah, your, your potential gains could be more, but the potential losses can often be a lot more as well. Okay, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or in the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. On Facebook, Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if you prefer it that way. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John.